episode what's going on what's happening everything is happening yeah you're you're uh you're very you're very active right now with uh with your political views yeah i've always been that way ever since i started i entered it in like 2017 yeah so i've been in it for a little bit but that was like more of when i tried to go into mainstream porn and i only like lasted eight months why Uh, i think it was the agency and preferential treatment for some certain people and kind of got thrown under the bus so uh i didn't end up in like a good situation in la i think it was also because i just didn't know anybody out there so i just didn't have any kind of support network right once uh every you know everything kind of dropped so yeah i had to move back home and fell into like a state of depression for a year and managed to kind of get into like the sex worker activism community uh had a support network of like people who knew me a little bit from like activism and stuff so then uh, when i moved out i had more supportive people and was able to get my own place that's great that's great so wait so okay so you were so where where you said you had to move back home where's back home long island so long Island. that's where you're from originally but you so you but you're taking a you're taking a big stance right now on immigration and uh, open borders. This is your big. I mean, that's not, that's always been my thing. Yeah. So where are you? <laughs> where are you from? Where are you from originally? Where it's like, where are your people from? Honduras. Honduras. Okay. And then is that as your as your family directly from Honduras? Like, do you have people there? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a. It right now is especially uh, a hairy time. Yeah, that's been weird because we're like in at the center of the map, and previously no one really knew who we were. Hondurans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really weird. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, okay, so as far so as far as that goes, so I mean, you you were in we're in Brooklyn now. How do you feel about Brooklyn ver- versus Long Island? I think I more like the city because I, I think it definitely is more my vibe. Whereas Long Island is where I grew up anyway. It's it was a lot more conservative, very repressed. It was hard to find a radical community. Yeah. Uh, I think kind of Long Island is falling apart. What so. do you mean? Uh, the the schooling system, the property taxes, yeah, just a lot of stuff. Like the, everything's kind of people are leaving Long Island yeah. in droves. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So what else? What are what are your what are your hot topics right now that you're that you're like worried about? Well, how do you keep yourself like a sane person navigating this world right now? Um, having sex definitely helps. <laughs> okay. Uh, going out to drink and having yeah. pizza. Or, you know, just generally eating out. <laughs> uh, dancing helps. But, yeah, I really like having my community. Yeah. And being around them, going to book clubs, uh, just talking about where we want to move the movement into is really powerful because it, you know, puts the power in your hand. You feel like you have more of a say. And yeah. I feel like we are making a lot of... Um, we're getting a lot of traction. Yeah, well, ha- we'll catch us up. But uh, pretend that we have no idea because you're so far ahead in the thing. Pretend we have no idea what's going on and and what what people think about sex workers and what the um, what the, the the problems are and what you're trying to gain. Like start from scratch as if we don't know anything. 
Let's uh, assume we don't know anything. Well, I mean, <laughs> the way that I started was, I wouldn't say the way I started. I think this was like when I really started to get into the movement a lot more, was when Peter Koo of Queens um, declared that he was going to do a crackdown on massage parlor workers in Queens. This was when? Uh, this was way back in March, I think. Okay. So, yeah, he said he was going to work with local police and the tenants to basically eliminate uh, massage parlor workers from the community. And he kind of did it in front of a children's playground to basically say that, like, prostitutes solicit customers in front of the children. So we're doing this for the children. Right. And the way he kind of justified it is... Um, the next week he had like a, a seminar for human trafficking. So he basically said, I'm going to do this crackdown on massage parlor workers. And that area of Flushing, Queens is like heavily Asian. Yeah. So it's really targeting like Asian women, sure. migrants who work in these massage parlor um, places. It's kind of like doing a crackdown on all those Asian places that have like nail salons and stuff. Yeah. Because it's so prominently like an Asian kind of underground market. Right, right, right. So yeah, well, you're, ta you're talking about the you're talking about the rub and tugs. But do you think that he's that they're reaching the rub and tug people, or do you think that they're just just using it as sort of a? No, that's who they're targeting. But he said that after he announced that he said he was going to do a seminar for human trafficking. Uh, which he did, and we, um, me and some of my friends did a protest for it. Yeah. And I was kind of, they pushed me in to do uh, speaking at the very end, so like that's... With a, like, like with a... Um, like a little speaker thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, I actually showed up to the protest early, so I wanted to see what the opposition and the politicians were up to. Yeah. But yeah, the police actually, like gated up the place where we were supposed to be protesting yeah <laughs> and uh when i went inside it was just like meaning uh, meaning they made it so you couldn't get there or they or they gave you an area so you could protest and, and no th we were supposed to be doing a teach out event to teach the community what was really happening yeah. and the steps where we you accustomedly do that kind of stuff like they completely blocked they out the off. steps yeah so you had to like go into like the deeper corner of the triangle where the public library was and yeah so I went inside I, I went early and I kind of saw that they had already locked it up and I wasn't sure what it was in the beginning yeah so I went inside and there was like four domestic violence shelters or like family shelters um, those kinds of places and I was like oh okay <laughs> I kind of already knew that something that the state has been doing is conflating human trafficking with domestic violence interesting yeah it's been weird to see the evolution of human trafficking over the years because it used to be something that predominantly uh, faced people in third world countries or immigrants so it was something that happened like to other people yeah. and then it kind of became this thing of like foreigners coming here taking daughters and like selling them overseas yeah, to yeah, be yeah. sex slaves or something and now it's different. It's like, oh, no, it's not typically like that. Now it's, you know, traffickers trick girls into falling in love with them. And it's like a relationship. Right. Um, like, the, like the like like the pimp prostitute relationship. No, it's like domestic violence yeah. is what they say now. Okay. So if like you look up like human trafficking and domestic violence, that's what a lot of sex trafficking organizations are saying now is that like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like domestic violence. Yeah. Well, how do you <laughs> feel about that? 
Uh, I, th- I think it's wrong. Like on so many levels. You say, well, what's wrong? The You're saying that the opinion is wrong? Yeah, I think it's gotten to a point where I kind of just tell my followers at least that human trafficking, the way the state defines it, is for the most part bullshit. Yeah. And you shouldn't believe it. Yeah. So, so, well, so tell us what's really going on. Well, I was in a domestic uh, kind of violent relationship. And when I called the police because he was chasing me with a knife uh, and threatening to kill himself and stuff, the police and the FBI got involved. Yeah. And they told me that I was a victim of human trafficking. Interesting. In New York? Yeah. Interesting. And, yeah, this is something that, like, police are trained to do now to domestic violence victims. They're, they're trained to tell you that you're a victim of human trafficking. So they told me that, um, that this is how it works, that, like, guys, like, lover boys, like, they're playboys, and they, like, trick women into falling in love with them. Yeah. And next thing you know, they're selling you. But were, were you being sold? No. So I'm s- that's so I'm so confused. No, that that's just what sex trafficking organizations are telling them to say. Yeah, interesting. Th- the reason What's the ultimate goal? Well, the reason they're doing that is because they understand where sex workers go for business. Right. So because sex workers have been pushed off Backpage and Craigslist, now they're going on dating websites. Interesting. To solicit customers. Uh, so Tinder, Instagram, you know, all the places that we are on social media right. and dating S- sites. Snapchat. Yeah, so if you look on Polaris and other sex trafficking organizations that actually work with the feds and police, uh, they want, like, facial recognition software online. They want um, to be able to connect your phone number to your social media accounts so the government can go after you for being a buyer. Right. Um, And they're, they're basically saying that human trafficking happens on Instagram and Snapchat and plenty of fish and Tinder. Okay, I see. So the so the the... They're trying to link sex work to this larger, worse problem so that they can get the rally behind them to to try and eliminate. I think they really believe it, but I I think the point is that anything that involves sex work or could involve sex work, they kind of just put the name human trafficking to it because they don't see it as labor. So... You know, women who are in, I- in a domestic violence relationship, one of the things that the abuser does is they take control of the finances. Right. So some of those women are in the sex industry. Right. So you can just say that it's human trafficking now. Whereas what you're saying is these people that are in this industry that by choice are very savvy and are very much in control of their finances and they're making a living this way and that's... But it's being persecuted and it's it's really horrific now because it's it's starting to hit other women that aren't in the sex industry. Like I was told this before I was in the industry that I was a victim of human trafficking and it did not help in the slightest. Right. Um, It actually made me panic even more for like a year. I believed it. Right. And I, you were like, was I brainwashed? Was it like, no, I thought I was a human traffic. Like I thought I was going to be a slave. Like it was just really a terrifying moment. And the police basically told me, they gave me the advice that they give all domestic violence victims, which is, uh, write down any of incidents of abuse mm-hmm. and keep track of it and the dates and everything that you can and try to get an order of protection. Right. Were you, were you still in the relationship when you were starting to seek police protection or? Y- yeah, I was in the relationship. I called them like during an emergency, yeah. but like they basically told me to do that. They gave me that as yeah. advice. Like, oh, if he seriously tries to hurt you, like call but us I'm again. You went, but you, you were still in the relationship. You went back with him and you were working it out. 
no, this was what they told me when I called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was having the incident. This is like they, they literally told me after they were like doing an investigation on him, like, oh, yeah, this is what it is. Or, but like, yeah, they gave me that advice and basically like I was on my own and they just walked away. Yeah. Which is now looking back, I'm like, if you really think I'm going to be a victim of slavery, why would you just leave? Right, right. Um, th- it was it was really interesting. Um, but a lot of people believe this now. Right. So a lot of people on like social media, they'll get like a lot of likes if they say something like that. Um, I know Shane Dawson's like best friend from when I was a kid, like watching them. I don't know if you remember that goofy girl with like the weird teeth and loud no, smile. No. But like, yeah, her and Shane Dawson used to make videos together like in the early years. But and she kind of fell off the map for a while, I think. I didn't really see much of her, but yeah. she was in an abusive relationship. Right. And the police and FBI told her she's a victim of human trafficking. So Shane Dawson made like a conspiracy video about yeah. it because he m- does conspiracy videos now. And yeah, she thinks she's a victim of like of, of human trafficking that like they were that like he was he was just imp- tricking her to f- fall in love with, you know, him and like he married her and then he impregnated her so that he could take the baby and then sell it overseas. Right, but none and of like this happened. N- no, it did. Like she was in a domestic, v- you know, domestically violent abu- abusive yeah. relationship. He had control of the finances. Right. She wasn't in the sex industry. Yeah. But, you know, they had a kid together. Yeah. And he was violent. Like you know, and from. But he didn't. Str- he wasn't trying to sell their child. No. Like she, she had no like evidence of it. But like even Shane during the thing was like kind of skeptical of it. Yeah. Um. So he didn't really believe in it, but obviously, like you can't ignore the fact that he was abusive. Right. So like that was still there, but you know, like she kind of went into this freak out mode of like, you know, he he might have connections with the mafia, and you know how like a, a baby, how much a baby is worth a lot, and it just was, w- it was just really weird. Um. Yeah. Because it's just you know like. People like me have to pay like tens of thousands of dollars to be shipped from across a border. It's really yeah. risky to do that, but Americans are just convinced that like people do this for free so that they can sell people. Right. Not knowing that there's like a market of people that will pay for that service to be transported. It's right. just Well that's what you're saying. You're saying you're saying that's how you that's how you got from Honduras to here? Yeah. My parents had to pay ten grand. To get you. Yeah. Or themselves. Me. Just me, just yeah. a person, just for one person, it costs like 10 to 30 grand or even more. To come over here as, as an illegal, is what you're saying? No, to like hire somebody to bring you over. Yeah. That's what I'm saying with the human trafficking narrative is like really weird because why would someone do that for free? Yeah, I know. Again, we, I, you're skipping you're skipping pieces for me, so I don't have I don't know what you mean by the human. The, the narrative is weird because I don't know. Well, the narrative kind of changes, but the typical narrative is like some way, somehow there is a person and they either trick you to fall in love with them and transport you across state state lines or a border and they sell you somewhere um, and you're a slave, basically, or they kidnap you and then they sell you like that's kind of the. Right. Overall narrative. I feel like everyone well, that's what knows human trafficking is right. No, I mean yes, it can be, but like it's so it, that specific thing is so rare, and it's not. So what is it? So what? It, what are you defining human trafficking as? And well, where do you? What's your position? Well, legally defined, like people don't understand that it's not what you see in the movies or what these sex trafficking 
organizations tell you it's a legal term right. um and it was created by states by the un and uh academics who study underground people yeah so these people don't actually know what they're talking about they're just elitist assholes who went to harvard i'm just trying to figure out where you are you are you saying that uh because sex workers which you are def you define yourself as um, are being labeled all of these other things incorrectly, right? That's not what I'm saying. Um, human trafficking justifies the persecution of immigrants and sex workers and other deviants and criminals because from society. Because we go, hey, the people that are from another country are only here to be these things. No, it's because America has no idea how organized crime works right. or like the underground works. Right. So that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to. I'm trying to streamline that part. We're like skipping. We're like kind of just chunking around. I feel like. Yeah, I, so have I just want to. I just want to get to what. I have ADHD, no, but like. No, you're fine. I'm. Yeah, you're fine. I'm trying to explain it. You're very chunking around, but you have more information than us. So. I guess the <laughs> point I'm saying is that uh, like the U.S. and like a lot of these kind of academic elites assholes that. They kind of created this narrative about poor people and crime and, you know, like how yeah, there's a lot going on right now. There are people that literally think that illegal immigrants voted in the last election. Right. So there's a lot of things that were that are being said right now that, like, don't make a lot of sense that justify why we should close borders, which I think is what we're we're kind of circling around. Right. Is that we're trying to like I think my perspective is a little more broad sure because i'm talking about the prison system the jail system yeah. the criminal justice system the global right, uh, so police force so what's the yeah, yeah society society as a whole is terrible yeah i agree with that but we well, well we can't attack all of the things at the same time so i'm just trying to figure out how we streamline the, the discussion so right now i'm i'm still i'm still unclear as to what we're saying about what is good or bad about human trafficking or which parts of it are good that we're mislabeling or which parts of it are bad that we're misunderstanding and how we get to the, the heart of the problem. That's what I'm trying to understand. Yeah, I think it, that gets kind of complicated because these are criminalized people who are underground because they're criminalized by the state. Which people? Uh, people who are buying drugs, using drugs, yeah. selling drugs, people who are selling sex, buying sex, people who are buying weapons illegally yeah. and selling weapons illegally people who are smuggling anything that just exists outside of like regular capitalism or the, s right. the state basically and these so but go ahead yeah so with these underground you know markets they they have to stay underground and they're hidden because they're criminalized and persecuted by the state and they are loose collections of people trying to kind of just get by yeah. and find what they need but because of the fact that we are criminalized, it makes us more vulnerable and it makes us dependent on, on certain people because yeah. like. So here's so here's my question. You're saying so there's you said a bunch of things, bunch of people, drugs, guns, all these things. You're putting yourself in the same category that does that help the the overall discussion? If because nobody thinks that people that sell guns illegally mm -hmm. should just be able to do that right like that's not a it's not my topic to discuss but like it when the state talks about it it they put all these things together so that's what i'm saying so they cram everything in the same place so my point is let's remove those things so that we talk about the the, the overall discussion which is the the sex worker activism mm -hmm. what do you guys stand for the, the the idea is this has been around we're doing this in a safe protected and uh commercialized way 
and we don't go ahead. No, I'm I'm completely for breaking the law. Okay. Like, yeah, okay, like so I don't okay. I don't believe in legal markets at all. Interesting. So, like it's for me it's kind of but like But this law because it is a law. So you're not even interested in changing the law. No, I am. I okay. want to make it I want to decriminalize it. It right. shouldn't be something that's criminalized. But again, when you say that like, oh, we're doing this in, you know, a safe environment and it's legal and it's commercial. You it's, don't believe that. It's not. Okay. It's not. Why would we need to decriminalize it if it's already legal and safe and I commercial? It's illegal, but the but the idea. But so what the, what you're saying is that the politicians and so on and so forth and people that have the money and control society and control the cops are trying the uh, w with all of their might and power and influence to create uh, and cram all of the worst things on earth into also what you're doing. Yeah. Guns, drugs, sex selling babies they're trying to say that those are all the same thing yeah i mean right. they all think we are they think sex workers are like the pimp lobby they think right. we are so pedophiles saying, they think we're so, druggies right, so they I, think I, we're trafficking people and, and so i'm so saying like, how are you different and let's talk about that that's, i'm that's not I'm different doing. i am all those things okay. i refuse to be like yeah these are the bad people like i think i think the state has no right at judgment because they created these problems Okay. They can't be like mad about like, oh, the horrible courts. You made the cartels. You know, right. that's like being mad about, you know, the, the mafia. But like you were the one that made prohibition. Right. So these markets were created because you criminalized it and right. people had to go underground. It was deadly because you did it. The You know, all the, this power fell into gangs because you did it. Right. So it's. For me, it's kind of like, yeah, I could sit here and be like, yeah, these people are horrible. But that to me just will justify the state going in there and trying to save us. And it, it, we don't need that. We just need them to decriminalize this. So for you, for you at all, for you, what laws, what laws make sense then? I just want the regular stuff that they use to persecute sex workers like loitering, vagrancy, yeah. um, you know, persecuting people and having condoms. Right which they've been doing forever against the gay LGBT right. sex worker community. Like all those laws that they use to persecute poor people and sex workers need to be decriminalized because they shouldn't be going after people for it. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That that's it. It's um a little more complicated than that, but yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a deep it's a deep deep issue, but again, that we were we were just we were just throwing uh handfuls. Yeah, I th yeah, I think it's I guess <laughs> hard to get to that. Um but yeah, we know who the bad people in our community are. Like right. sex workers have had like lists of bad clients. Right. Uh, usually like serial rapists. So or that's like what I mean. Violent so that's the part that I'm saying where it's like there's a, there's a level of safety that you guys are creating in your community yeah. to protect yourselves from this this other thing. And, and there's always going to be a, a, a bad element to anything. And it's like. You know, even then, this is a horrible analogy uh, from from the standpoint of this discussion. But it's like at a comedy club, we, we don't let the hecklers win. So it's the same thing. You guys are self-regulating now. And it would be nice, obviously, if you didn't have to self-regulate uh, in that in that kind of way. Yeah. I mean, it, it would be nice if the police went after them, but they don't. Right. They, they just won't do it without persecuting you. It is a weird New York is a weird place for for the the police element, and I think even smaller towns are even worse. But I I, I was in I was in Brooklyn when I, in my first relationship, and it started be, to become abusive. And this woman would come to my shows, uh, and when we were trying to break up, 
did, couldn't handle the breakup and they would attack me in front of an audience of people and then somehow still I would be the one that they would put behind bars uh, or both of us. they put either me or both of us because it's sort of these your word against your word kind of things. And that was the first time I realized that like there's yeah. not a lot of help. There's not a lot of assistance and laws that you thought were pr to protect you aren't really about you. Yeah, the laws are blind. So even if like you hit someone in self-defense, you're seen as like um, – what is, what is it called? Battery or something? When sure. You, yeah. So assault, you're there's assault, there's battery, right? Yeah, assault or battery, whatever. You're still like put into jail for like right. fighting back. So it, people don't understand that like the law is often really blind and they're kind of trying to funnel people into the system and that's how we have the biggest prison population in the world now. Yeah. Well, this is a different discussion I was having with somebody recently in off off podcast, but the idea that uh, because we've allowed corporations to get into prisons then the 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 upside is the more prisoners the more money can be made because again we're now we're now we're, we've taken away someone's rights and we're making them build a thing or make a thing and now the companies can literally have free labor yeah. um so yeah so there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot to unpack so how long have you been in this country since i was five since you were five and then how long have your parents been in the country uh more than 20 years okay well more than 30 years, I would 30, 40. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And what, um, I mean, what's, what is it, what is it, I mean, what's the pride of being Honduran? What is, uh, what's like a, 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 what's a big thing that people think about people from Honduras and what's a big thing that they, sh that they, that they should know? Uh, unfortunately, I kind of lost touch with a lot of my culture. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I know about my culture is just the food, but yeah. like I don't even like know their names. Yeah, like it, it's just kind of it's just kind of whatever my mom makes me. Yeah. I know it if I see it. <sighs> yeah. And do you speak Spanish? Not fluently. Not fluently. Okay, so this is interesting. So I have the same kind of uh, relationship with my. I'm Italian, and so Italians came over in certain periods of time. One of those periods of time was like the 20s, and we came over through Ellis Island, and we all had our names changed and all these things. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. What's that? To go th to go come legally. I want Ellis Island back. That yeah. was open borders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we need we well we need a new election, or a, lo a lot of things need to happen currently. But what I the I I run into this prejudice with uh, newer Italians. New Jersey Italians came over sort of uh, traditionally in the eighties, nineties, the seventies. So all of those people, their parents are from Italy and they speak Italian. And my people came over in the twenties when it was a very hairy time to be an immigrant. Um, we were letting people in, but there was a lot of racism. So and there was a lot of grouping. So like Italians all lived with each other, Irish people all lived with each other, and people were just throwing racial slurs around. It was one of these periods of time. So my family made the choice that they wanted their kids, my grandparents, to only speak English, go to schools, learn English, come home and bring it to them. So I get this thing where people that have come over in the 70s, 80s, their parents are, 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 are direct, and they still speak the language because it was a better, arguably better time to come over from a prejudicial period of time uh they they feel that they're more in touch with the heritage and i have this sort of argument they're like no 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 my people got here like a hundred years ago we're the og italians like we're the we're the most ex we built the erie canal like we dug the erie canal we built all the churches like yeah we're the people um so it is interesting when you when you disconnect from the culture the the sort of the the, the prejudices then that that start to come around it's like there's I don't know what it is about being human that we will find any reason to try and discount or 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 hate somebody based on almost no information. Yeah, that kind of my parents kind of raised me to conform. Yeah, so I was like raised in white suburbia and 
my real name is actually very English sounding. Yeah. So, yeah, very proper. That's right. <laughs> so it unfortunately that that's how they raised me and it worked, but uh, it's bad because like I'm you know not able to fit in. Uh, quite like the previous immigrants had, you know, were able to just kind of easily come here. <laughs> so, yeah, it was around that time during Ellis Island where these kind of movements kind of started. So there was various nativist movements that started to spring up. And a lot of uh, women during the time, because they were just entering the workforce, and I think during that time they were just about to, like, abolish slavery. Um, they started to have these assimilation-like passing out pamphlets, right. like insisting that the new immigrants had to assimilate and right. learn English. So We're going to change your name. We're going to make you part of the culture. Right, right. Yeah, getting mad if you didn't conform and you still spoke Italian or whatever. Right. Um, obviously, like, alcohol, uh, alcoholism became a thing and this kind of idea that the, these new immigrants that are darker-skinned are bringing in oh, alcoholism right, right. This is, yeah. and they're whores. And, yeah, that was, like, a thing that they also right. were proposing. So there was, like, the social purity movement, the women's temperance movement were really big. But, yeah, that's kind of how the inter Internet was made as well. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it was the... Uh, Commency, something like that, like uh, de common decency or like act of whatever right. for the for the internet, which was funny, but it was just a way to they wanted to try to eliminate vice from the, the internet. Dark web, right? The, yeah, the, like where you go to get. To well, get no, they wanted that was like part of the like internet um, agreement that they changed with Sista Fasta, right? And the whole point of that when they originally drafted it was to eliminate vice from the internet and obviously it didn't work because there was a prof prolification of like porn and yeah they were well, yeah it worked for a second right uh <laughs> and then and then eventually everything uh, evened back out like, yeah back with a vengeance right but yeah all these like purity movements came about and they wanted to basically they believed it was the progressive thing to do they believed that the government should um have social control right over the populace so controlling your sexual behavior uh no alcohol no drugs uh no homosexuality you know etc right, you're right all the all the bible stuff yeah we're yeah I mean, we're and we're still there and we're still there in a lot of ways and we're and 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 there's so many countries that are still there yeah and it worked has anyone told you about the white slave myth back then what's the white slave myth um, it was so funny. I like researched a lot about this and I even read like a New York Times archive of like an article they wrote about uh, the white, you know, the white slave trade. And because remember, this was when they had just abolished slavery. Right. So there was like this hysteria and moral panic because not only did they abolish slavery, but women were entering the workforce. Right. So there was like a lot of anxieties. Well, any change, any change, any change in the way capitalism is, is, is working uh, is, is a huge problem. Yeah, so like the narrative was that black men or Jews or Turkish men, whatever, uh, were like capturing white women and enslaving them in the sex trade, like making them sex slaves. Uh, that was really popular along with the whole like, oh, if you drink alcohol, you know, they called it the alcohol traffic back in the day. That yeah. was how they advertised it. Stop the alcohol traffic. It's ruining families. You know, 10,000 boys um, 10,000 uh, 
bo- um, drunkards will become um, will die because of the alcohol traffic, right? You know, uh, or the liquor traffic was another word for it. Uh, so there was like pictures of women and children like crying and and saying, "Who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for family, or are you going to vote for like you know?" They had like a big fat you know man right with all this liquor you're gonna vote for the liquor traffic right interesting <laughs> that's kind of how the ads for both were kind of similar so for men it was like the liquor traffic and for women it was the you know the white slave traffic yeah um so and there was like a bunch of crackdowns so the police would crack down on chinese and hispanic neighborhoods right because the, I- the idea was that they were the ones bringing in this. Right, we have this problem. Where did it come from? It must be coming from immigrants. This and is the, the Jewish classic, communities. Yeah, the classic and America myth. Um, well, not really anywhere. But we're the, we're, you know, we're, the, we're the big immigrant country. So we're, we're the one that can just go, yeah, it's probably, it's them. Yeah. It must be them. Yeah, it got really bad. Like, even the FBI got involved. Yeah. They had a white slave division. Interesting. They would go into like brothels and start interviewing like the newest. Um, if they ev- if basically every time there was a new girl that was going to work in the brothels, yeah. um, the person had to immediately call the FBI and the FBI would go interview her. And you could actually like find clips of it online if you look um, enough. But there there's clippings of the FBI like writing about it. No shit. Uh, if they found that you were like mixed blood or immigrant. You know, they would deport you. So um, you had to be white to work in that industry. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. uh, I actually, the the episode right before this one was with Dapper Dan, who is a black man uh, who's in his 60s. And he sort of started uh, a couple of, like, all-black women's, you know, well, men's magazines with with nude women because at the beginning of his career, it was all white women in the magazines. And anytime he suggested that they try to put anybody brown, ethnic, anything, they were sort of like, we don't think that's going to sell. We don't think that that's going to be a thing that people want to see. And he, he, you know, he found a lot of success in creating these black women naked magazines because the market was there and, you know. Yeah, I definitely encountered a lot of that in the mainstream porn industry, and it's kind of one of the main reasons I left. I mean, now, like, I've kind of, because I moved back home, I kind of became a lot lighter skinned, but I'm just, I'm so comfortable in New York City that I would not want to go back to L.A. Yeah, (laughs) interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I guess L.A., yeah, I guess L.A. is an interesting uh, one, and it is. I mean, the uh, most of the mainstream porn is still sort of like uh, is is white heavy, and anything that's not uh, white is sort of now has to have other all sorts of hashtags on it, right? Yeah, I think they they try to like make you any race that they can. Yeah. So. Well, there's that right for the other thing, but it's more the it's more the fact that like, if you or even I now, not that anybody cares about men but uh, you know i have this i have this ethnicity thing that they're always trying to spin me because i'm italian but nobody thinks i'm italian they think i'm iranian they think i'm persian they think i'm indian they think i'm whatever right uh spanish whatever they want uh they, they try to clump me which is just it's just an interesting thing because it's like what the hashtag there's no hashtag for white like there's no hashtag looking for white yeah it's in porn yeah I mean right it's, it's interesting sadly the yeah yeah, it, it's very complicated. Unfortunately, it's like a reflection of larger society. So <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, some of these laws that were made, 
like we were saying, well, talking about before, um, some of these laws that were created are still in place today. So, I believe the Page Act is still in place, and the What's Man the Act. Uh, the pay well no the page act is not or is it? Oh yeah, I think it is. Okay, but basically it what made it against the law to have somebody here uh, for forced servitude and for sexual slavery or prostitution. Yeah. Um, and this effectively banned all Chinese women. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it's funny that like the whole point of the bill was to eliminate prostitution. But it did the opposite because then Chinese men were here alone. I see. So Interesting. then they obviously like. Wait, yeah. so Chinese <laughs> men were losing their wives or they were losing. Who are they losing in the process? Well, there was no Chinese women. They were all deported because. Well, uh, but how, I'm just I'm trying to figure out how did that law. Um, well, because like white people think Chinese women are whores. Yeah. Like they that they just think that Chinese women just naturally are that way. So, like, when they would go to the checkpoint, even if, like, they had a wedding ring or whatever, it was hard to prove to them that you were a good woman and right. that you were going to do good work here. So they just wouldn't let you in. Interesting. And then they would deport the Chinese women that were already here. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, the men kind of, some of them lost their wives, and then, like, they didn't have anyone to really have sex with or, like, develop relationships with, so then... Prostitution on the rise. Yeah, that's and then what's the Man Act? Uh, the Man Act makes it illegal to trans uh, someone over for like prostitute for like human trafficking. Yeah. And that's basically what it is. But the way it's been, well, the way it's famously used is to uh, criminalize black men, uh, well, interracial marriages and relationships, basically, and mainly persecuted black men. Interesting. <laughs> but that's why, like, when people say that, like, oh, human trafficking is mainly bullshit, people get really, some people get mad. Some people are like, what? Like, yeah. it's just like, but it's like, I mean, historically and the way it's used today, I mean, yeah, it is. It's what? It's bullshit? Yeah. So what is, I mean, so the, the our greatest fear, the thing that we clump into human trafficking, are you saying that this is not happening or we're saying that you don't clump the other things into it? I just call this labor exploitation. Okay. Meaning? And because we're all being exploited. Right. So when you think of it that way, you stop seeing... Because I, I think human trafficking does a lot of things, um, as well as like justifying state violence. It also creates a division among workers right. where, like, oh, yeah, there's these bunch of people that are exploited to a point where I can't even imagine. Right. They're like chained up and they can't speak for themselves. Right. Which is weird because... Are you saying that doesn't... I mean, look, if somebody is kidnapped and they're chained up and they're forced to labor like a, a literal slave and they just can't reach out for help and, you know, one day, like, the police come in and, and save the person, that person can still speak for themselves. Right. Like, they really don't need these academics like, I speak for the voiceless. Right. We have to increase police budgets and crack down on prostitution and immigration and close the border. It's the only way. It's for the children. I speak for the voiceless. Like it's, that's bullshit. Right. Because we can speak for ourselves. Yeah. Okay. I s I, okay. So I, I see the larger the larger point. Yes. But oh. like, yeah, that's literally how they always talk and they get very emotional. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really weird because obviously if you go and follow their narrative, right? 
my smuggler is this horrible person that like just is pure evil. But right. So you're saying specifically for you, the person that brought you in could be arrested for a thing that he's that. Oh, that he was. And he was. And he and for a thing that's not associated at all with what that he what he does. He's he's so in your eyes, he's helping families and connecting people and getting them to this country. Well, the for thing a is, fee. the thing is, um, you know, people are bad and they're good, but. The larger picture is this person's just a flesh and blood person. He's trying to make a buck. He's just a flesh and blood person, and that's not good and bad. He's not being like necessarily greedy or not greedy. It's because the way the human trafficking narrative works is that like there's these bunch of evil people, and they are responsible for all the slavery and the exploitation and the bad things of the world, and l they're evading authorities and like they're subverting Western civilization. Right. We need to like crack down on them and bring them out of the shadows. Yeah, so this kind of like all-powerful smuggler, trafficker, pimp right. that just like is a slave owner, and you know. Like these aren't plantation owners. They right. they literally have no power. There is no police officer or government backing them up. Like right. actual people that are right. like 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 the actual slave trade was. It's it's a it's a much more underground and less financed. Thing. Yeah, interesting. I, yeah, recently I found out the academic who actually made that connection that he um, started calling it human trafficking and then basically started calling it the modern slave trade. Yeah. I have to research more on him, but I just found out about him and I'm like, oh, you're the one. Right. But yeah, like he even admitted in an article that he basically made it up. Right. And, you know, he he was a little bit upset about the fact that people regularly cite him as like, oh, you know, human trafficking is the third uh, largest market in the world. And then it moved up like uh, several academics over time said is the second largest right, market stat. in the world. And then other people are like, it's the number one market in the world. And unfortunately, these sex trafficking organizations, they get huge amounts of government funding. They get funding from Walmart and uh, the Ford, you know, all the companies that just don't exploit their workers and are or, just or <laughs> trying really hard to yeah to make it seem that they don't. Right. Yeah, if you look at um, when I go on these human trafficking networks, there's like a page for like partnerships. Mm -hmm. So they're speaking to like companies yeah. and they, they sell themselves. And it's basically like, you know, when you partner with us, you know, it'll br build brand loyalty, uh, you know, more customer loyalty. Yeah. People will think that you care. Right. Um, <laughs> like things like right. that. I should shop at Walmart because they care about the right things. Yeah. Actually, right. the number one human trafficking organization, I believe they get like. 70 yeah the last time i checked it was 72 million dollars uh, what's the organization um ij ijm ijm and so th and what's their mission statement i can show it to you it's international justice, justice mission, mission and slavery in our lifetime yeah yeah so you can see it right here so let me see if so i go to can yeah go to slavery today what's the what's the mission statement say well i wanted to show you the partnerships yeah, yeah, sure. page uh, da, 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 da. Partnerships. Become a business Become that's a good business for the world. That's good for the world. Explores the ways you your company, Guy and Jacob, fight to end slavery for good. Cultivate customer loyalty. Energize your staff and boost sales. When your business partners with IMJ, you will be the global justice movement fighting to end slavery in our in our lifetime. A successful partnership can strengthen your business. Yeah, that is. That's an interesting evil way. Yeah. Okay. As conscious. Uh, what does it say? Consumerism as conscious consumerism becomes mainstream, products sourced ethically and sustainably will grow in popularity. Now, again, this is just their 
basically marketing themselves as like start a partnership with right. us. It's basically creating, basically telling you like create the Give solution. Give us money because you'll be part of the solution, not part of the problem. What they're basically saying here with the middle one, energize your staff. Yeah. Because they basically what they do these sex trafficking organ human trafficking organizations they usually give like seminars if you yeah. partner with them right. so they will like uh lecture your workers about human trafficking right and it'll energize your staff because they'll be like see you're not a slave you're here on right. your own free will you love your right. job it's a, right. it's don't a, unionize these right. people are actually being exploited right your it's company an actual mind. why are you complaining about your, your company is good yeah why are you complaining are you about doing? your short lunch break and your non uh, full-time hours marketing and partnerships supply chain partnerships interesting actually the last time i was here they had like a company uh that they said was like doing really great work i don't know if like i feel like sometimes when i expose them it does make a difference and they find out because there was one domestic violence shelter that was having a partnership with police that on their human trafficking page uh they listed like all these horrific things, but they, they had like prostitution right next to each one. Right. For like, yeah. It <laughs> and it was horrible. Once I did like a blog post about it, yeah. I went to their page like a few months later and, and they removed it. They removed it. No shit. So it, I. Go to slavery today. I want to see this part. Slavery today. Yeah, it's really weird because. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, they're trying their best. They don't know. Every and I'm day like, innocent people are beaten, raped and but abused. But they know slaves. with your help. We can rescue them. This is uh, this is surprisingly very little information. No, it, it always is. It's very every, vague. And it's also and every click that I that I take is it's just it's literally one sentence explanations. And every click that I take takes me to, to giving money. Yeah. And then it's just stories of people like faceless children that have these stories. Yeah, this that's is it's very interesting. No, that's how it always is. Like yeah. even the reports that I found. This is a problem that I've had. I, I'm, I'm putting. I'm actually putting together a sponsorship package for my for my Hoboken Comedy Festival, and I have such a comprehensive package. It's like 13 pages, and people are like, nobody wants to read 13 pages. Figure out how to make it one page, and it's like, no, no, I can't be that vague. But apparently, I can. You do. You do apparently have I can to. Be vague. Like people are very simplistic minded, unfortunately, and you have to. And that's why social issues don't really get solved because right. they'd rather give money to these people. By the way, the guy who runs this organization is an asshole like he's <laughs> just really horrible like literally they did a whole um like piece about him yeah and he's like yeah i know that technically what i'm doing like i get so much criticism because i'm an american and i'm going to other countries and working with the police forces there and yes i know that this has ties to imperialism and all the police there are basically colonial powers that subvert the poor but you know i think it's good to work with them and i'm just gonna keep doing it right so like, it's like he, he you know this guy went to harvard he's an right. evangelist he mainly raids brothels that's what his organization right. does Interesting. but he again that's you don't know that from looking at this but, right. but he's not gonna like he has a partnership with walmart and i believe uh microsoft He's not going to raid those people. Right. <laughs> so it's like, it's, yeah, this is why this problem, like, never really gets solved, unfortunately. So brothels, internet. Yeah, literally, just not, those aren't even clickable things. Uh, yeah, they're not. Right. I don't, yeah, yeah they're not. Tree cutting facilities. Just, uh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, yeah, it's very vague. Um, so, well, okay, so we're, 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 we're closely approaching an hour on the episode. So oh what, no. is, what is <laughs> the, what's the, what's the vibe? What's our takeaway? What, how do we help? Um, what do you, like, 
what are you doing in New York that people should be paying attention to? How do yes. we do all the? How do we follow you? All the things. Yeah, I'm sorry for s being so No, you're long. great. Um, right now, I'm doing a book club for sex workers by sex workers, and yeah. we're trying to work with incarcerated women to give them books. So you can follow us on Red Light Reader. Um, that's what's that on? That's Twitter, or that's what is Red Light Reader? Uh, it's Twitter. It's Instagram. It's YouTube. Okay. It's uh, a website. Uh, there's also uh, Red Canary Song is the nonprofit that I'm trying to help build up. Okay. And that works with Asian massage workers in the Queens area, although we're trying to, you know, expand. Trying to represent them and. Yeah, I'm. We so far we've talked to like uh, eighty women. Yeah. But yeah, and. Um, and these women have lost their jobs. No, they're just still working. No, they're women that are working massage parlors yeah. around the street. Yeah. Basically, so. Uh, just trying to build these connections from the ground up. Um, Decrem New York is another great organization to support. Third Wave Fund is another great one in New York, and they're just fabulous. Yeah. So supporting those organization and um, any sex worker organization would be amazing because we don't get government funding, <laughs> and we're not getting like these corporations that want to fund us. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then how do they follow you personally? Maya Morena XXX X <laughs> on Twitter. Four. Four X's? I think XXXX. Uh, yeah, it's three. Sorry. <laughs> and X then X X. I'm not really on Instagram anymore. Yeah, it's not it's not a friendly it's not a it's not a porn friendly site. No. And then uh, so then how do we how do they follow you specifically? How do they how do they uh, work with you or find your content? Those things. MayaMorena.com, and then uh, my Twitter is MayaMorenaXXX. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, to my guest Maya Morena. Um, this is enlightened chat. Hopefully you guys uh, listen to us and pay attention to us. Uh, we're sponsored by Spunk Lube. Thank you to Spunk Lube. Uh, we're rebroadcast by the Demon Seed Radio folks. Thank you to Demon Seed Radio. Uh, we come up with a new episode every Monday. Check us out. We got some content today on YouTube where I can't figure out how to be uh, comfortable. Uh, so check us out. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to my guest. Bye. Bye. <laughs>